Side Hustle Show 115, Monetize What You Know, Proven Course Creation Best Practices. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show, where aspiring part-time entrepreneurs learn how to turn their side hustle dreams into reality. Because your nine to five may make you a living, but your five to nine makes you alive. And now your host, Nick Loper. What's happening, Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show. This is episode 115, Monetizing What You Know, Proven Course Creation Best Practices. You're going to learn how to figure out what you can teach, how to find out if there's a market for that, some killer marketing ideas for your course, even if you don't have an existing audience, how to price your course, and even some of the hardware, software tools that you can use to make a professional educational experience for your students. My guest is Ankur Nagpal from usefedora.com and milliondollarinstructor.com. Now, Fedora is an online course hosting platform that takes care of all the technical stuff, the payment processing, video hosting, and you can even set up your own affiliate accounts, which is pretty cool um, because that was one of the best drivers of, uh, of sales of traffic for my Udemy course. And had I posted it on Fedora instead, that could have been uh, an alternative had I, had I even known about it. So very slick software. And it was kind of weird timing because I had actually just learned about Fedora from Scott Britton, who was uh, on episode 64 talking about uh, building passive income streams on Udemy. And he was just singing its, singing its praises as a, as a very cool uh, tool to, to host your courses. And then I got an email intro to Anker and we set up this and, and we set up this call. So so big thanks to Andrew from andrewsmusings.com for that intro. Now as is per the usual, all the notes and highlights from this week's call are available to you in a free downloadable PDF at sidehustlenation.com/115 or through the link in the episode description of your podcast player app. Stick around to the end of the show to hear about a special free offer from the team over at Fan- uh, Fedora. I was going to say Fandango. The team over at Fedora. And with that, let's get Anchor on the line. hustle of teaching online because this is a huge opportunity that uh, is just the, the biggest trend in, in education, right? So the, the biggest thing for, for my people of, of, of aspiring and part-time entrepreneurs is deciding what to teach. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the first thing to think about is uh, think about what you know that can solve problems for people. Um, you know, generally people are willing to pay money if you can simplify their life in any way and, you know, find and help solve their problems. And that's the first thing I would think about. Um, the other thing I would think through that, you know, I've seen personally while coaching people is a lot of people are, are afraid of calling themselves an authority and have thoughts like, oh, you know, how can I teach someone? I'm not as good as, you know, person X that's also teaching other people. Um, but when you kind of get into it, you realize that that doesn't really matter. The fact that you might have learned a skill recently might make you a better teacher than someone that's, you know, known it for 20 years and takes it for granted. So to give you an example, um, two of the most successful teachers on Fedora are called Bitfountain, and they teach iPhone programming, but they're not developers by profession. They're people that self-taught how to program, suffered and made the same mistakes as a lot of people they're teaching. And therefore, we're in a better position to actually teach than, you know, a computer science major that learned this 20 years ago. 
Yeah, definitely. There's something there's something to that. Somebody who's down in the trenches versus like the the theoretical approach. I think that can yeah. Work. I mean, I think one of a cool mini challenge I heard about is whenever you learn a skill for the first time, um, the next day, see if you can write maybe a blog post or create some kind of informative material that teaches the skill that you just learned. Not only will it reinforce the skill um, right away, but it'll it'll also like kind of show you that you know. You've learned something and now you're in a position to actually teach it. And in a lot of cases, teach it better than someone that's known it for a long time because you just struggled with the same thing that other people are going to struggle with. I really like that habit and I need to be doing, I've done a couple of YouTube videos where I like finally have been like struggling with some WordPress problem yep. and like finally figured out and they're like, okay, I'm just going to record this so I can show other people. But like that happens all the time and like just this week was like, oh, I, my, my programming skills are so, are so poor, but it's like, I'm trying to figure out how to like make this one thing like centered inside of my sidebar. Yeah. And like, I finally figured it out and I totally should have just recorded a video because it was like, that would have been easier than yeah. like reading through, you know, all this stuff. And if it, I don't know. And then it, it adds up and it reinforces that, you know, for the next time that you need to do it. And, and you can go back to your own video just in case yep. you forget how to do it. Um, I really like that stuff. Before you know it, you have, you know, 25 videos and the next million dollar course. There you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, one of the things that um, was actually on a recording uh, last night with Scott Britton, and one of the things that he shared was, you know, the most important file to keep on your computer is a database of questions that people ask you. And and I'll admit that I I started doing this for like two days after he gave me this hack and I never and I, and I stopped doing because it, it was like man that's a lot of questions to keep track yeah. of but it's a really really cool database because you'll start to see patterns what people ask you over and over again you'll start to build templates of your answers so you can fire those off quicker and you'll have perfect validation of what people already view you as an expert in and what you can you know potentially teach on so I thought that was a really cool hack. Yeah, I think I think that's I think that's a great way of approach. So how about because you know um, you're collecting data? Go ahead. I was going to say. So what what are some of the courses that that you've taught or that you've seen? You know, the Bitfountain folks. Like, what are the ones that you see being being successful? So I think you know there's two kinds of success. Um, the first kind is courses that make the most amount of dollars. Um, courses that make the most amount of revenue. And these courses are generally ones that solve a professional problem or help people advance in their career or help people in turn make more money. So a programming course is a great example because it very often means you can get a, you know, you can get a job as a developer, which happened with Bitfountain. You get a lot of people that took their course and went from making, you know, 45k a year to getting a starting iPhone programmer job at 75k a year with an $80 online course. So right. Incredibly so that's, that's, powerful. It's a good investment. Incredibly powerful. And, you know, other professional courses fall into that, that realm. Real estate licensing and anything where you can, people see your course as a gateway to a better life. So those courses generally make the most amount of money because they sell at higher price points. Um, the other kind of course that also can be quite profitable, but doesn't make the same amount of money, but actually sells more classes than the professional courses are passion projects. So for instance, we had someone on Fedora that taught watercolor painting and in her first month she made eight and a half thousand dollars purely of you know twenty-five dollar courses. The reason she it's gonna be hard for her to make as much money as the iPhone programming guys are people are not gonna spend a hundred dollars normally on a watercolor course, but they're happy to spend, you know, nine dollars, nineteen dollars. Um and more than that, I mean she's doing something that you know she she truly loves and 
her audience is intrinsically very motivated by it. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I think there's a, well, my course isn't about how to make money. My course isn't about, you know, how to become the best programmer or how to, you know, do, do whatever. But I'm glad you bring up the passion projects. Because I had a couple of examples. Like some friends of mine have amazing content related to cocktails. Like I'm going to yep. make cocktail recipes, show you how to be a better mixologist. And, and in some cases, like, you know, if you're targeting professional bartenders, like, yes, they can, you know, potentially earn more money and earn more tips because of this. But for most people, it's a lifestyle thing. I want to impress my friends at my next dinner party or, or whatever it is. And another guy brought up like, oh, I've been a cake decorator for the past 10 years. Where it's like, you know, I, I, there might be, you know, a monetization element to someone taking that course, but it's more of a, you know, more of a lifestyle skill, more of a passion project, like you said. So good to hear. With that said, I mean, like something like cake decoration, like if you search YouTube for cake decoration, you'll realize what a large market size it is. Like, you know, I, I actually truly believe even in cake decoration, um, it is possible to build a million dollar business. So for with the cake decorating example, does, does all that free content on YouTube encourage you or or discourage you when to create a paid course on the on the same topic? I think the way I'd approach it is, you know, YouTube is a great marketing channel, and if you can create free engaging content on YouTube, you already have an audience to sell a paid offering to. Um, and you know, we've seen that YouTube is a great place to actually acquire paying customers, um, like the watercolor. Like the watercolor example, um, more than two thirds of her sales initially were sourced from YouTube, actually, where she did have a lot of free content. But people are still always willing to pay for curation. They're willing to pay for feedback from the instructor. They're willing to pay for the community aspect, and of course, premium content. Wow, that's a good, that's a great hack to drive <laughs> drive traffic from YouTube to your to your paid course. Yeah, it's a, it's one of our one of the largest channels we've seen, lar- largest free channels we've seen successful. Cool. What what's a typical length of a of a course like like the watercolor example or this or even on the professional side they think there might be an intimidation factor at play with like you know (laughs) i went to college i you know sat through a quarter's worth of lectures and it was like hours and hours and hours of content like does it have to be like this massive uh, encyclopedia of information absolutely not i mean i think i think there's there's two ways of looking at it one Partially, what people are paying you for with the course is the fact that you're saving them time. There's there's a lot of free information available anywhere. Part of the appeal of a course is you're taking all this free information, you're distilling it in like you're distilling it into a small, attractive offering that's well packaged. And part of that is brevity. You owe it to your listeners to value their time and not make it incredibly long. Um, with that said, the range of generally seen is anywhere from 45 minutes to you know three or four hours normally. Um, the BitTown guys were a bit of an exception because their courses were like 30 hours. But then again, I mean, they were trying to go above and beyond. Yeah. Um, the second thing to note about BitFountain is their courses are 30 hours long. They started selling their courses when it was precisely zero minutes long. They sold their course before they actually developed any video. And it took them a year after launch to actually put in all 30 hours. That's the other thing with these kinds of online courses that they're a living product. It's not, you know, something you record and forget about. Um, you can easily start charging people before actually developing your content. Where you develop one video, charge people a lower price for coming in early, and then you know keep adding content as time passes. Make it a living product and not something you ship and forget about. Yeah, a friend of mine from one of my one of my mastermind groups pre-sold his video course and you know had I think two or three people buy it and was like, 
okay, now I guess I have to build this video course, which was like awesome validation to have that before you even put it out there. For for somebody without, you know, a built-in audience, is this is this just coming from you know, your free YouTube channel, whoever you can get to, to find your videos that way, just social media stuff? Like, how are you, I mean, that the pre-sales, like it sounds awesome if you have like an existing email list or some, you know, built-in audience to, to blast this offer out to. But what do you think for people who, who are just getting started? I think, I think ultimately everyone, when you think about it, right, has an audience. You might not call it an audience, but you have friends that care about you. You have a professional network that cares about you. Um, you have affiliations with different groups and societies. So I think, you know, that would be a great place to start, you know, people in your immediate network. Um, the second thing that's important is ultimately any kind of online business, might it be running an online store, might it be, you know, selling courses. For all of that, building an audience is incredibly important. So one, I would say, you know, obviously, you know, go after your immediate network Two, put it out in places like YouTube and other free distribution channels. Third, you might want to look into putting it on marketplaces like Udemy or Skillshare where they have an audience. But beyond that, if you're serious about this whole internet thing, you have to think about building an audience. Um, that's, you know, kind of that's internet 101 yeah. for pretty much anyone trying to build a business. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over 3.5 million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you travel a lot for work or for vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet. Your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you. Whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you brought up Udemy because, you know, Fedora is an awesome software, awesome platform to host your own courses. But I could imagine, you know, myself two years ago, putting up a course and hosting it with Fedora had it existed then. And you crickets. And so Udemy is the 
is the halfway house between this, right? Like it's, you know, like you said, leveraging somebody else's pre pre existing platform. You know, they've already spent all the marketing dollars to to get the eyeballs there. Yep. What? Just curious. What's your, your what's your take on on that versus hosting on your own? Yep, absolutely. I think if you're just starting out and you have no audience at all, um, it makes sense to go in a direction like Udemy. Um, what a lot of our successful instructors do is they kind of keep free, like small free mini courses or like less valuable content on Udemy just to bring in the initial audience and then try and move them over to their own site, um, hosted on Fedora or whatever other platform where they actually can sell more premium products. Because Udemy is great because, you know, they will drive traffic to your course. But at the same time, I mean, you know, they discount your courses 90% off. So you don't want to put your valuable material there because, you know, Udemy treats all courses like, hey, you know, this is effectively worth $10. Like once in two weeks, they conduct a flash sale to give everything for like 10 bucks or something. So you don't want like, you know, your actual $200, $300 product on Udemy because it's bad signaling that, you know, it's available for $10. Um, but it's a great channel if you just want to get a quick short course out there. It's a great channel even to just distribute a free course um, that has some kind of lead gen into your mailing list, your your paid, your, you know, your more expensive product and so forth. So I think it's a great place to start out. And as and when you kind of learn how to build an audience, then it's time to, you know, actually set it up on your own site and build more expensive courses. Yeah, that's a really interesting angle because the the minimum requirement for Udemy is is a half an hour worth of video content. So you could essentially create the intro or even the first the first few modules of your you know super master level course yep. um, to put it out there. You know, and gain a bunch of free uh, free enrollments. Then what you can do is you can send out announcements, educational announcements to your students, which is not as good as an email list, but a lot of people get email notifications whenever there's a new announcement. And so you're hitting those inboxes just the same. And this is something that Scott shared again last night was, hey, I'll, I'll hit them up with a free free webinar presentation. And it's like, yes, this it totally checks the box for a free free additional content. You know, and as soon as they register for the webinar, they're on my email list now. I give them the content that I can pitch my my higher level course. I thought that was super smart. Yeah, no, I think that makes that makes a lot of sense. I mean, to that end, even we, Fedora, have a couple of small free Udemy courses on how to price your course, how to grow an online course, because it exposes our content to other online teachers. Yeah, very cool hack. Let's talk about the the nuts and bolts of actually creating the course. Um, everybody, everybody's a geek for like the tools, the software, the hardware and stuff that goes into get this done. So do you have any favorites in terms of like screen capture software, camera stuff, uh, audio stuff before we get too, too geeky on it? High level, I would tell people if you've never built an online course, don't sweat it. Like most of the best course developers I know started out with a really, really shitty setup. I mean, you know, like keep it like literally they use their Mac, they use their their MacBook with the built-in like, like iPhone headphones, the audio does not sound great. But I don't want people to get in a trap where they try and be perfect and don't get anything done. I've seen that happen too often. Yeah. What I would tell people is you do it in two stages. Your first course, your goal should be get something done, get something shipped. It does not have to be great. Um, we have something that we internally call the minimum viable course. Think about what the minimum viable course is um, and get that done. Set an aggressive deadline. Say, you know, decide on Friday after work that I'm going to ship something by Sunday afternoon. And just do it. Worry about technology later. Second stage of that is, you know, when you're like, okay, this is something I want to do. That's when you invest in, you know, a high quality microphone. I personally have used the Blue Yeti, which I like. 
and invest in a high quality microphone. You can, if your videos are going to be shot with, you know, if you're going to be in the video yourself, like a talking head video, um, you can probably get away with an iPhone, assuming you have good lighting and some kind of tripod to keep it steady. And I think that that'll take you pretty far. The, the other option, of course, is just to, you know, have slides or screen share, depending on if, you know, if you're teaching how to code, that makes a lot of sense. Just, you know, basically use a screen capture tool like ScreenFlow or Camtasia to record your screen um, with a high quality microphone. Yeah, the screen the screen videos for me are way easier to create than the in the talking head videos. Cause I had to set up uh, my my wife let me borrow her DSLR. She's like, here you can use this one. Here's a memory card for you. Don't promise not to break anything. But it was just like the you know shooting the videos and the different takes and the edits and and you know I would like tape up a piece of paper to be my teleprompter and it's just like I don't know it took a long time so the screen capture stuff super easy way to get started just voiceover yep. PowerPoint slides or voiceover you're talking through some process on the screen really love uh, really love doing that way yeah so I think I think one of the things I found that works for me for talking at videos is it would take me a long time to get like the first good takes. But then I would get in the zone and just like hammer out 30 minutes of video. Then again, my my personal hack or what I found really effective for talking at video was to not script it, but just have an idea of talking points and let myself get in the zone. Okay. Yeah, that's aggressive. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I could be the, the person who just speaks coherently in front of a microphone without any <laughs> without any script. But I mean, it's, it's yeah, initially it seems really hard, but then it's hard to just at least what I found is I got into this like mental state where the things that I was saying or at least you know like I just felt like I was in the zone to the degree that you know my brain was working really fast and really effectively to the degree that I don't think I could have scripted it as well um, then again the other factors I was talking about you know course pricing and how to price a course optimally which is stuff that I've looked at every day for two years so I just like had all this information and I you know can talk about it for hours yeah so that definitely helped as well well, now that you bring up pricing, what's, what's the dirt on pricing? Everyone prices too low, like especially initially. Oh, man, everyone, everyone undersells. Okay, you know, how can my information be worth that much? I've seen too many people trying to build large businesses of a 9 or $19 course, and it just, just doesn't work. The other interesting thing to just note with pricing is what we've seen in our data is for the same course that's distributed for free for a low price and for a higher price, Students that buy it at the most expensive price are generally the most happy with the same course that people buy for a lower price or for free, which kind of blows your mind when you think about it. It it is, but it kind of makes sense too, because the people who pay more are the ones who are actually going to go through the material, the ones that are actually going to take action on it and put the stuff into, uh, put stuff into effect. So I think that makes sense. I love the quote, everyone prices too low. Yeah, no, they do. And um, the other thing is people don't really like think about pricing the right way. A lot of people try and price by number of hours of content. A lot of people try and price by, you know, comparable products. Um, I think I'm personally a fan of pricing by what you think the design, what do you think the outcome is worth to a person? Okay. So if you think the outcome of, you know, learning how to code can make, you know, a $20,000 difference in someone's life, price at, you know, 1% of that. Like think about how, how great your outcome is going to be. And then, um, and then price around it. Or another way of thinking about it is we had a blog post that actually did really well where we were like, think about your course right now and charge $500 for it and then work backwards and, and think about what can you do to make your course worth $500. Maybe you don't have to go that, that high, but it's worth thinking about what can I, 
what can I do to like, you know, make my course worth a few hundred dollars and add that value to your course rather than bring it back down to like a $19 course. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Ankur, one thing that I found with Udemy in particular is once I, I you know, made a big splash during the launch and it's kind of been a slow and steady decline. I don't know. The last few months have been relatively even, but like, is there anything, you know, tactics or hacks that you've seen effectively to keep up that demand over time? Like that's the biggest appeal for these. I'm going to build, I'm going to build a passive income asset and it's going to pay me for, for months down the road. But it's, uh, I don't know, what's your, what's your take on you know, making that ongoing revenue stream possible? I think if you want an ongoing revenue stream, you need an ongoing traffic stream that's somewhat consistent. And, you know, you're not going to get that from Marketplace. Um, I think that's why investing in a YouTube channel that kind of hits the right keywords consistently can be a great, can be a great way. But ultimately, but ultimately, I mean, what you want to do is you want to find your audience, build an audience and Instead of, instead of, you know, I mean, I guess, you know, you can always keep the same product and have a passive income stream. But if you invest in building an audience, every time you build a new product, that's guaranteed sales. So while it's not fully passive, you can set up a business where, you know, you, you build an audience and because your audience cares about all your products, every subsequent launch can be bigger than the last one, leading to an ever increasing income stream by, you know, continue creating new products. That makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, Ankur, thanks so much for joining me. If if people want to learn more about you and this stuff, where should they where should they go? We're gonna set up a special URL for people from this podcast at usebedora.com slash side hustle. We're gonna get one of the guys from our team to do a free training on, you know, how you can build profitable online courses. Cool. Thank you for that. And we'll uh, we'll wrap it up with your number one tip for Side Hustle Nation. My number one tip is, you know, just do it. I've seen too many people want to do stuff and not set an aggressive deadline and worry about, you know, sweat the small stuff, worry about perfection. Uh, my advice to you is, you know, I don't know, pick a weekend, maybe next weekend, cancel all your plans or maybe go out Friday night, but keep Saturday as an all day, all day course hustle and do the best you can on Saturday and publish it on Sunday. Um, if it's not great, that's fine. If it's, you know, not perfect the way you want it, that's okay. If the audio kind of sucks, that's fine. Um, you'll put your first piece of work in the world, and after that, it all changes. Yeah, I agree. There's something to be said, just putting it out there, getting it done, and the feeling of accomplishment of, of shipping something will definitely be motivation to to keep the keep the wheel spinning. Yep. Well, cool. Thanks so much, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Awesome. There it is, guys. Thanks so much for listening. That's usefedora.com slash side hustle. I'll link to that in the show notes. And the the free webinar that's going on there is, uh, I'm not sure if there's a closing date on that, but I think it might be evergreen. It's the seven simple steps to creating and selling your first profitable online course in the next 30 days or less. So very cool presentation from the uh, the Fedora crew. Actually, this is by Ryan, their VP of Instructors, and he has taught 40,000 students in his own online courses, so sure to be some extra great content in there. So a little bit of a, a concise episode, but an action-packed one. My One of my favorite sound bites is, uh, was Anker's piece about uh, an ongoing revenue stream. You want an ongoing revenue stream? Well, you're going to have to build an ongoing traffic stream. I love it. So... Uh, with that, I've uh, got to go into some iTunes shouts since it's been a while since we've done that. I've got several new five-star iTunes reviews, and you can leave your own at sidehustlenation.com slash iTunes. Here's one coming in from Andy Man McCabe. 
who um, actually got a shout in this episode for building his and pre-selling his online course. So great timing on that. He says, I'm a nation junkie. I've listened to every episode some more than once. Well, I um, <laughs> appreciate that level of support, Andy. Thank you so much. I've got Melissa Wilson says five stars. Thank you, Melissa. I have uh, Forge3, also five stars. And then Lex Glenn says, I must say this podcast is the bomb diggity. Yes, I said it, and I'm serious. Thank you so much for that. And then uh, Dr. White rounds us off with Onward to Cubicle Freedom. So thank you guys so much again. If you want to leave your own and support the show, it's sidehustlenation.com slash iTunes. And who knows, you may have your name or username read off in this kind of fashion in an upcoming episode. So uh, funny story. I was in a ballet this past weekend, and if you know me, you know I have not a dancing bone in my body, but my wife is a dancer, and they needed someone to play the king in the the local rendition of Sleeping Beauty, um, which is a ballet put on at the the local theater, and the the criteria was, does the costume fit? So that's how I got recruited into this role, And, and luckily for me, my role did not involve any dancing. I walked across the stage looking very kingly, I might add. Uh, I bowed a couple times, and the thing that, did, the thing that the role did include was a ridiculous-looking costume, these medieval pantaloons and, and things like that. So I'll include a picture on the show notes page for this episode at sidehustlenation.com slash 115 if you want to check that out, 115. Um, and while you're there, be sure to grab the free highlight reel PDF from this call with Anker. And thank you so much for listening. Until next time, let's go out there, make something happen. Maybe this will be your weekend to create your course like Anker suggests. And I will see you next week for another exciting edition of the Side Hustle Show. Hustle on. Thanks for listening to the Side Hustle Show at www.sidehustlenation.com. 